0: Come on. Is that cool or what? All right, groovy. Hey, don't you think that's how Christians should work, though? I mean, don't you think that would be a good representation of the gospel if we were like, man, let's buckle down and make this thing sharp, razor sharp, good, better, best? Uh, That's how we should work. Anyway, I thought that was pretty cool. Hey, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 12, Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, and even though... We will be looking at uh, verses 25 through 29 today. Um, we have to tuck in verses uh, 22. Did I put 18 up there? 22 through 24 uh, because we, um, we ran along last week and there was something that I really needed to say. So we're gonna start in verse 22 of Hebrews chapter 12 and this is God's word. But you have come to Mount Zion Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Let's pray one more time. Father, may the truth be spoken and received here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we left off last week somewhat abruptly, as you know, because I ran out of time. Um, but uh, as it turns out, the, uh, the leftover sermonic material um, is very important to our point here. I mean, you, you can't stress context uh, enough, so it's, that's very important. And I also remind you, ladies and gentlemen, that we're at the end of this pastoral letter Okay, This pastor is writing a letter to the, the uh, Hebrew Christians in Rome, and um, he has uh, set up just who is doing the saving work, um, uh, the qualifications of the Savior, the superiority of this Savior, of this gospel, of this new covenant. And now, in these last couple chapters, you don't know, really kind of start at 11, but in 12 and 13 particularly, the writer moves into heavy application. And so if you're... Um, you know, craving or even chasing after something that's relevant in life or relevant in church. You know, you're looking, give me something that's going to affect my daily living. Give me something relevant. This be it, okay? Um, now, I'm going to give you the main idea straight away, and then I'll uh, give us an opening illustration. Here's the, here's the main idea. Here's what I think we should walk away from this passage with, all right? The kingdom that cannot be shaken, Oh, excuse me. Yeah, the kingdom cannot be shaken. And then in parentheses, I've added, uh, all else will be. The kingdom cannot be shaken. All else will be. And folks, I'm not just um, picking up some lovely uh, topical theme for you. I'm getting this right from the passage. I mean, it jumps right off the page. Look at verse 28. Um, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. You see where I get the point. Um, and furthermore, look at verse 27, the end of it. Um, this phrase yet once more indicates removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. All right? So you see that there are some things that um, will remain after they're shaken, and then the, and there's other things that won't remain after they're shaken. All right? So that, that's, that's our point. The kingdom that cannot be shaken, uh, but all else will be. Um, so um, it, 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 to, to put it in shorthand for you, someone unless he or she is received by God in the way God desires, then that person uh, will not be okay. If that person is not received of the way God desires, um, that person will not be okay, spiritually, eternally uh, okay. Uh, But you can be okay uh, per this gospel. So here's my opening illustration. I have um, really been burdened a lot lately over the millennial generation. Um, in fact, I even think how how can I minister to that generation? I, I feel sorry for them. Actually, I read an article, or at least a headline of an article, that called them um, uh, what did it say? Gentle or no fra- fragile as snowflakes, but not so harmless. Um, and they are. They're a fragile generation. I mean, they want safe places so they don't have to listen to things that offend them, blah, blah. And, and yet, um, they're loud and opinionated, and uh, they're speaking a lot of the times without wisdom. You know, when you, you know no one's more uh, irritating. There's no more irritating human being on earth than a first-year college student who comes home at Thanksgiving. Uh, you see what I'm saying? They, 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 they come back, and they've been on their own, and they've got an apartment, and they've learned all this stuff, and they come back, and they're very talkative, and you know, you're rooting them on. You're, you're glad to hear from them, and wow, you're doing so well. It's wonderful that you're processing all this information. Isn't it fantastic? And yet, you really don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, and so, uh, basically, everybody at the dinner table is clinking their forks and plates, and they're just tolerating the conversation, um, even though the, the the new young person thinks it's just they got it figured out. All right, so my, my burden, I don't mean to speak disrespectfully either. My, my burden for millennials, I think is this, that I keep thinking of, that, that they've grown up in this culture where everything's fake, 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 fake. Everything's fake. I mean, you construct this, idea of what you want people to know about you. And so you take pictures of you from the perfect angle and you hide your chin, you get 13 shots of it. And, and uh, it's this construct of, of how you want to be perceived. And then you look at all these other things, like, for instance, the, the, the desk in your, in your office or the, the end table at your house. That wasn't made by a master craftsman over several months making sure that everything's, you know, sanded just so. A machine spit it out. It's probably made out of glue and sawdust or plywood with laminate on top. I mean, you go to Ashley, no knock to Ashley furniture, stash or whatever, but that's what it is. It's wood, pulp, glue, and some laminate on top. Everything's fake. Oh, the stonework at the bank. Oh, look at that stonework. You know, it was impressive at the Vesta Home Show 10 years ago, uh, but now you're like, oh, fake. You know, it's, it's goop poured into stone molds, and they stick it on the wall. I mean, we, we, all, we obviously know that that's not really stonework. It's, it's fake. It's, it's some thing on top. Or how about this? Banner ads. They drive me insane. You know, they, they figured out what you looked at on Amazon, and all things are popping up. And, and have you noticed what they'll do? They'll say, trending now. You get on eBay, it's like, trending now. It's like, that's not trending. Ooh, it's trendy? Ooh, I better get it. It's, it's just they want to sell you something, and so they, they throw this terminology. You know, language is so used, and millennials look at that and go, oh, fake, 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 fake. Everything's fake. Or how about these things? Um, news stations that claim to be fair and balanced. Well, there are no fair and balanced news stations. Everything's biased. All journalism is biased. Everybody's got an opinion. Um, uh, how about uh, engagement photos? This will be the last, my, my last one on these, but engagement photos. They're all the same, Ugh, contrived. Ugh. You know, you look at them, and it's just, blah, blah. they're in the woods, and every one of them has, you know, she's on his, she's riding his back. Oh, you just caught us. I was riding his back in the woods, you know. It's like, man, everything's so contrived. Ugh. But this is, millennials have grown up in this culture where everything's contrived. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's ironic that with the um, prevalence of the internet and the wealth of information at the ready all the time, that humanity has never been in a greater culture of counterfeits. Isn't that ironic? So to our main idea for the day, I mean, don't you want something that's authentic, authentic, Something that you can point to and say, okay, now that is real. That is truth. That is relevant. Don't you want to point to something like that in the midst of this murky sea of information and ideas, this societal uh, ocean of gray? Don't you long for something that's going to be defining? Don't you as parents give your kids boundaries because boundaries are what keep them safe? Well, that's what, that's what all humans crave, and that's what the gospel delivers. So let's go to the text. Our first sermon point is the blood that speaks. And this is where we left off last time. Uh, look at verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion. All right, so it's a contrast. There was another mountain that was mentioned, which was Sinai. And that's where God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses and the, and the people Israel. But before he did that, the chapter beforehand is a chapter of preparation, God says, clean up, mark barriers around the mountain so the people don't come up. Because when I descend on it, it's not a safe place. Because I'm an all-consuming fire, as it will, it was, it was a saying later in the passage. But God descends on Sinai. It's this trembling, terrible, uh, awesome uh, scene where God comes down in clouds and there's this loud blaring trumpet sound that may or may not be uh, some, some uh, heavenly voice or may just be a a trumpet sound, but it's frightening. And uh, the contrast is made, but you have come to Mount Zion. Um, you have come to God um, as heavenly father. It's, it's, a, it's a different thing. You are part of the celestial city, the, the ultimate collection of God's uh, believing people. And so this idea of Mount Zion, as I said last week, Mount Zion was the highest elevation in Jerusalem. And uh, many years earlier, it was a fortified city uh, by the Jebusites, and then David comes in, and 2 Sam 5, I think, comes in and uh, takes takes, uh, it over. And so Zion, if you read in the Bible, Zion, if you read in the Bible, the city of David, if you read in the Bible, Jerusalem, all the same thing. I mean, Mount Zion is a mountain near Jerusalem, and so Zion, Mount Zion, The city of David, Jerusalem, all the same thing. All right, and as we said last week too, um, this pastor is writing to people who are familiar with the Old Testament. And when he mentions Mount Zion, they say, oh, we know what what our Bible uh, says about Zion. I mean, the prophets, psalmists, and so on refer to Zion you um, know, in, a, in, in, a, in a, as a shorthand for the place where God is, the place where God dwells. All right? And here's some verses. I may have told these last week. I can't remember. But Psalm 2, verse 6, Zion, my holy hill. That's God speaking. That implies his presence. Zion, my holy hill. Here's another one um, Psalm 135, blessed be the Lord from Zion, he who dwells in Israel. Jeremiah 8, 19, is not the Lord in Zion? Uh, and here in our passage, verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God. God is there. That's the idea that, that um, you know, there was a time when God approached humanity without the finality <coughs> of an ultimate and last and heaven-sent Savior. There was a time when God approached humanity that way. But you have come to Zion. Uh, Jesus, the Savior, rescuer Christ changes everything. The tone changes, but you have come to Zion. You have come to the place where God dwells. And so to pick up from the last time, there's a collection (coughs) around God in heaven where he dwells. Uh, In verse 22, you've got innumerable angels. In verse 23, You've got the assembly of the firstborn. Um, and I, I think I told you last week, I may or may not have that, um, you know, in, in that culture, the firstborn inherited everything. And uh, what, what this is saying is, we're all firstborn. We all inherit everything. Those who surround God in heaven, who are uh, made righteous. Um, here's another way who, uh, of speaking of believers who have died and now are in God's presence. In verse 23... The spirits of the righteous made perfect. Okay, exactly what I just said. There, there are people who have been collected up, who have been made acceptable to this God. So here's how we bring it all into our lives. But you have come to Mount Zion. What's the difference? We have Jesus. We have the final sacrifice. We have heard the final prophet. We have seen and have and and possess and are possessed by the final king. I mean, the plan has been worked out. It's been consummated, fulfilled in this Christ. You have come to Zion. He's also the mediator of a new covenant, it says in verse 24. And here's how it's explained to us. Um, And this is where, where, where where we had to come back to this week. In verse 24, we've come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Now, what does that mean? You know, Jesus shed blood. This is obviously a reference to the cross. Uh, His blood was shed. His cleansing blood was sprinkled to cleanse and it speaks louder than someone else's blood. And it's Abel who was cited. You know, Abel was murdered by his brother. I mean, it's this first heinous act like this in human history. A brother murders a brother. The first brother murders the brother. I mean, it's pretty amazing. So what does Abel's blood cry out for? It says that uh, Abel's blood speaks. What does is, what is Abel's blood in the earth m- murdered by his brother brother's say? It cries out. Um, and it's not hard to it's not hard to understand. It cries out, justice, justice, justice. Make things right. This world is broken. I mean, the blood of Abel cries out. Satisfy justice. You know, you we will, will watch these forty eight hour news shows. Uh, you ever, who, anybody watch those where it's like 48-hour mysteries, and you got that guy who's kind of sing and that gray-headed guy who kind of, oh, and so you cut his throat. <laughs> you know, he's got that kind of weird, pleasant demeanor, and he's talking about scary things. Anyway, off, off point. We're going to run long again today. Um, but uh, so well, we watch these things, and uh, you watch family after family after family just craving justice. They want justice. They want things to be set right. Well, that's what the blood of Abel says. Something something big going on over there. I think Jonathan just jumped out of a cake. Uh, So, ladies and gentlemen, verse 23 speaks of God, who is the judge of all. Listen. God, the judge of all. That would be very frightening if this God of Sinai uh, is this way, and he is. The blood of Abel cries out. It's it's frightening. Um, But what's the message of Christ's blood? The message of Christ's blood is that Jesus spilled it that he might remove the curse. Jesus died in the sinner's place that he might take the sinner's sin, the sinner's guilt, the sinner's culpability. And thus, his blood is better. You know why? Because it satisfies justice. God doesn't just go, well, I'm going to look the other way on Richard Loom's sins. (laughs) He doesn't do that. He satisfies justice. It's better blood because the the, the sacrifice um, accomplishes ultimately what it needs to accomplish, which is to take that man's soul and make it secure forever, to take that man's culpability, guilt, shame, lift it, remove it, jettison it, and give him the righteousness of God. All right, uh, next point. The God who speaks... Um, let's move on to verse uh, 25. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. All right, so you read that and you go, oh, I wonder who the him is. See that you don't refuse him who is speaking. Well, it tells us, for if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. All right, so Uh, We know that it's a reference to God speaking. He's got a very specific message, and it's this. Back at Sinai, in verse 26, it it speaks of um, the people's rejection. Scary Sinai. Um, uh, His voice shook the earth, uh, but now he's promised, yet I'll shake not only the earth but the heavens. And so, ladies and gentlemen, right when you thought um, it was time for a makeover for God, uh, that uh, he would turn into a, a little more of a sweetie pie because of the New Testament and all that. The, the message is God is the same. God has not changed. He is still holy, holy, holy. And um Yeah, and so you you think you think it's going to go? Oh well, yes. um, You know, you got the two mountains Sinai where the law is given and God descends us scarily, uh, and then you've got but you have come to Zion, and we go, oh good, good. Lay it on me, lay it on me. Let's see if you've kind of lightened up a little bit. No, God is changeless, and uh, He says, uh, yeah. I'll tell you what. Halfway through verse twenty-six, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And the idea is, don't worry. I'm going to carry out my justice, and I'm going to set the world aright. right. And I'm going to take care of all the sin problems, all the fake, 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 and you're going to have nothing but real, 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 real truth. Does that sound refreshing? And, you know, uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a paraphrase, in a, in a careful… I don't want to paraphrase the Bible, but uh, in, a, in a careful explanation, I think what it's saying is that God is, God is going to shake everything. I'm going to shake everything… Uh, that can't be near me, okay? The things that can be near God are the ones who are made holy, the sinless angels, the saints who have gone before us, um, the, the courts of God that are utterly pure. But anything that's not holy, anything that's not pure, you know, people go, well, nobody's perfect. That's a problem. If you haven't made, been made perfect by the blood of the Lamb in the, in the courtroom of God, you're not gonna be okay. And things are gonna be shaken And God's going to shake everything. Check this out, verse 29. Our God is a consuming fire. Um, You know, one one commentator put it this way. I thought this was excellent. Um, God purifies all with whom he comes into contact. Now, a person is either made pure by the work of the Savior or... A person is consumed in judgment and utter separation from grace. God cannot tolerate sin in his presence. He calls himself a consuming fire. It's like sin is licked up. God cannot let it go unpunished. And that's heavy stuff. And I remind you of verse 25. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. God is warning of the very real danger of being without a Savior the very real danger of these saints being under pressure by culture to compromise the gospel. So are you, under pressure by the culture to compromise the gospel. The Bible clearly says, and we go, well, you know, uh, I I heard a, um, it was Piers Piers Morgan one time. Um, I think he was interviewing John MacArthur, and he, he made this point like three times. Don't you think that the, uh, the Bible ought to be brought kicking and screaming into the modern day. And, you know, you could tell he had written that down because he used it three times, and MacArthur, MacArthur just barreled right over him. And don't you think, now, uh, uh, Pastor, that the Bible needs to be brought kicking and screaming into the modern age? No. This is God's Word. Um, you know, folks, um, you've heard Dr. Young say quite a few times, um, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of God, our God will stand forever. He says, "Endures forever." That—that's true. That's—that's—that's that's, that's what we get as believers. Is this unchanging God who says a thing sticks to it, and it, in, in a sea of fake, 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 this is the thing that's real, 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 real. Um, you know, folks. Um, God warns about perishing without a Savior in kind of an almost apocalyptic way. Uh, verse 26, at that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he's promised yet once more, I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens. That's kind of scary. Well, friends, um, we've got a little vacuum cleaner, and uh, it's, it's uh, rechargeable. It's got a lithium-ion battery. And so our big one with the cord and the, you know, that's upstairs somewhere. But well, we got this little nimble thing, and uh, it does pretty well. Um, and, but and it's got a clear, it's got a clear little uh, receptacle, so you can see all the stuff in it, which is pretty amazing, by the way. I mean, you vacuum your house once, and you're like, wow, amazing. You vacuum it the next week, wow, it's it's amazing how much stuff is just laying on the floor. Um, but then, so you got to dump it all out, and uh, it's kind of. You know, you got to do it, make sure you stand right in the wind when I dump it in the trash can outside. But then there's this little white filter, and it's about the size of a hockey puck. It looks like a white hockey puck. And it's a micro filter, so it's like a HEPA, whatever it is, to get the, get the stuff out of the air. And uh, if you don't whack that thing out, like, you know, the old racers, you know, back in the oldie days, if you don't beat that thing out, then uh, it, 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 the suction's goofed up. And so I'll go out there, and, I mean, I start doing this. And it's just really this awkward motion. It's so small and kind of spongy. You can't really bang it on anything. So you're kind of like a seal out there. And it looks like I've just put chicken on the grill. I mean, that stuff is just, it's a plume. And it goes on and on and on. I'm just banging this thing. It's amazing how long it goes until it's exhausted. And um, what I'm saying to you, what I think the Scriptures are saying is the God of Sinai And the terrible, law-giving, descending presence is contrasted with Zion, the place from which a Savior King comes forth in power to, to spare. God is gonna shake everything. God is gonna take all this creation, all this degradation, all this sin, all this brokenness, all the selfishness, all the arrogance. He's gonna take it all. He's gonna shake it all everything is going to be shaken not just the earth but everything's going to be shaken and that's a that's a it's it's apocalyptic sounding but it's also so hopeful isn't it all the fake 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 all the sin 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 all the deep dark sexual scary bad places that culture has slipped it's going to be fixed it's going to be to god's design It's going to be truth, 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 real, real, real. Um, You know, God warns he'll shake it all. And ladies and gentlemen, you're only spared if you have this Savior. I mean, um, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain, only the things that cannot be shaken will remain. Everything else will not remain. That's a gospel call, friends. That, that's a call to examine your life and say, in what do I put my trust? In my relationship to this living God, if I really believe that he is this way, my relationship to him, how will I stand before him? When he shakes, the, the solid answer is to take the gift of deliverance that he gave in Jesus Christ. That's your answer. Receive the Lord of glory. Jesus died on the cross to take your guilt. That's what you have to believe in. And when you do that, you get forgiveness. That's the gospel of the Bible. All right, last point. Um, the what, how, and why of approaching God. In verse 28, it says, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That's pretty hopeful, isn't it? And let us then, thus, right? If, 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 we, if we are those people, let us offer to God acceptable worship. Okay, not, not the kind of stuff that we concoct, um, not cartwheels, trampolines, confetti, but, but acceptable worship. And we get, we get a, it's really cool. We get a, a description here of the what, which is acceptable worship. We go, well, how do we do that? What makes it acceptable worship? Well, you get the how. With reverence and awe comes next. And then you get the why. For our God is a consuming fire. Uh, is that a helpful application? Given us by the scriptures, okay, God says, look, you who have come to Zion, you who have been rescued, you who are going to be okay when I shake everything because of the provisions that I gave, all right, you, here's what you need to do. Be grateful for this kingdom that cannot be shaken and offer God acceptable worship. What does that look like? It's worship with reverence and awe. And uh, why? Because God is a consuming fire. That's the Why? He has sovereign right over every aspect of who you are as a human being. Um, you, you know, folks, l- look at um, l- look at footage of uh, in the media of this, these attitudes toward um, authority, um, turning over police cars and running in the street, and uh, you know, uh, uh, what's the thing where they camped out? Uh, Occupy Wall Street. You know, it's just authority. You don't have authority over me. You can't tell me what to do. You can't even tell me if I'm a boy or a girl. I get to decide. My, my body doesn't. My hormones don't. My DNA doesn't. I just, I don't want anybody to tell me anything. That's the prevalent attitude, ladies and gentlemen. Guess what? The gospel flips all that on its head. The gospel says, the gospel's radical. The gospel says, uh, sorry, God's a consuming fire. And um, you need to approach him with reverence and awe. And you need to approach him uh, with acceptable worship. And the only way to do that is to approach him via the mediator that he's provided, the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way. He is the way, the truth, the life. And guess what? The gospel is radical. Um, The Bible says that uh, Jesus Christ teaches that Jesus Christ is the singular Savior, the exclusive Savior. There is none other. There is no other path. It's a free gift. But when you uh, enjoy the free gift, guess what that means? It means you turn over every aspect of your life. You say, you have complete authority over me, God, over every decision I make, over how you would have me uh, live, are those who uh, belong to God are those who won't be shaken out. All right, I close with this. We're going to end right on time. My goal is to go exactly 30 minutes. Um, we're going to be in Rome on Tuesday. So we leave tomorrow. It's an overnight flight. You know, Tuesday morning, we're going to be, oh, here we are. And we're going to be walking around Rome. Pretty cool, Rome. Oh, awesome, huh? You know what we're going to be looking at? Ruins. That's what we're going to be looking at. Centuries of world domination. I mean, think of the United States times two. You know, we've been around a long time here in the United States. Okay, let's say we've been around 400, 450 years. Guess what? Rome is a footnote. We go, yeah, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah, why, by the way, the Apostle Paul stopped by the coffee shop in Rome. And then we move on. It's a footnote. It's a footnote. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, everything's going to be shaken. God will expose everything, and uh, then He's going to judge it with the full faith and credit of His white, hot, burning, consuming holiness. So come to Zion. Uh, come to the place of, of repentance before this God of the cross, who's provided a way into Himself, accept no other um, counterfeit receive the Lord of glory, receive this Jesus Christ who perfectly lived a human life, stood in the place of yours to be punished for sin that you might be given the righteousness of God that you might be one, you might be one of those who survive and are not shaken. Let's pray. Righteous Father, we're grateful to you. We're grateful that you have um, not given up on us. We're grateful that you hear us, that you're a God of mercy, And uh, we pray that you would remember mercy again and again and again and that you would satisfy our souls in who you are. Might we come to you um, with reverence and awe. Might we bring acceptable worship and might we do all that because you're a saving God who remains a consuming fire who will set all things right. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, y'all.